Hello and welcome to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're full season ticket holders at Ashton Gate who love the club, the game and all things Bears. This week we discuss the late, late show at Franklin's Gardens. Two sensational scores in the last six minutes snatched a victory from the jaws of defeat and bagged another five point win. We'll also look forward to next week's game against the Inform Harlequins at Ashton Gate with our friends from the Quinns podcast. All this and more on this week's show. I'm Tony and I'm joined by Lee and Pete for a cheeky beer and some rugby banter. Well, Lee, let me come to you first. Um, if if Miles gave himself a black eye after the late bonus point score last week... Um, what must he have done to himself this week after that that sizzling final six minutes? Well, Tony, I, I don't think we, we've not actually heard anything back from Miles since, have we? So I, I, he's probably in the BRI as we speak. Um, he's doing his, his HIA, I think. And um, it, absolutely, I, I reckon it was a clean uppercut today when uh, <laughs> when Urin went over, and uh, yeah, he, he's on the concussion protocol. So uh, yeah, well, we hope he's all right. Um, but uh, yeah, blimey. Uh, and Pete, um, we're recording at our usual slot at 7pm uh, on Sunday. Uh, but we're going to have to be snappy, aren't we? Because Line of Duty is back on the TV tonight. I don't know. Yes, Tony, I don't know what was more exciting this week, looking forward to the game or knowing that was coming back. Because you boys know there are only two things I like in life. That's watching Bristol Bears win and catching bent coppers. <laughs> <laughs> OK, well, let's let's move on. Um, Lee, let's let's talk about how you felt going into the game today. Uh, were you confident we could win at Franklin's Gardens? Because we've had some pretty tight finishes there in the last couple of seasons yeah ne- never confident Tony I-, I always base my confidence on the amount of bets that I put on um, prior to the game and I-, I was well we all know it's going to be a tough game against Saints it, it always is and um, obviously it-, it ended up panning out that way didn't it it certainly did and actually talking on bets how was your Cheltenham I did all right, actually. I, I rescued it. I had a first two. The first two days were awful, but I got it. I clawed it back in the last two. So uh, I was up at the end. So. Well, that, that that's all you want, isn't it? And Pete, uh, for you, um, your, your thoughts um, go, going into the game, once you'd seen the teams uh, published on uh, Friday lunchtime, did, uh, did you, were you confident of the win or, or, or did you think it was going to be a tough game? No, I thought it was going to be tough. I looked at their side and I, I, I saw a lot of big players in their team sheet. And Harrison was back, um, Grayson back, who's a, you know, we know is a good is a good player. And I just suddenly looked at across their line and thought, there's a lot of pace there. There's a lot of skill. You know, they 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 perhaps can be suspect in terms of lasting the full game, but you know they there's they are a good team and you know saints aren't some sort of uh, fly by night club this is a proper premiership club with a proper history and i've got to say having the sunday 3 p.m. kickoff didn't really help that much because as i saw all those kind of tries go in yesterday and all our competitors scoring bonus points i got a little bit i got more and more nervous actually and i've got to say for the first time for a while i was feeling a bit sick just before kickoff today, Franklin's Gardens looked good. It looked like, you know, it was a nice pitch. They all looked keen. So, yeah, nervy, nervy, despite our top of the table position. 
And if I remember rightly, isn't your your good lady a, a bit of a Northampton Saints fan? Kind of, yeah. We won't go into that though. <laughs> <laughs> well, Lee, um, it was a it was a pretty good start for Northampton, wasn't it? And uh, they they took the game to us, and uh, uh, we all, all it was zero zero uh, up until that uh, that Purdy try. Um, and what a try that was. It was a fantastic try team. I mean, the thing that really um, stood out for me was the amount of um, the the in-play game time. It was so frenetic. The ball just, it was it was constantly, wasn't it? End-to-end, constant. And But obviously that little bit of magic from Purds. And um, I mean, there was some good stuff before Eden, um, Leua, and obviously Purdy finished it off. But that guy, I mean... Obviously, Pete likes to call him Piston Purdy, whereas I call him, uh, what was it, Shot, Shotgun Purdy? Um, pump Action Purdy. Pump, pump Action, sorry, yeah, Pump Action. Um, but he was just, I, I mean, I thought he was immense to, again at fullback today. Um, and it was just that, against the run of play, you, you could say, but, um, but what a finish. Was fantastic finish, and of course that came from one of their overthrows. And I think, Pete, that first 30 minutes or so... Uh, you know, each team seemed to get down into the opposition's red zone and then then cough the ball up, or um, there just wasn't any clinical pay, play until uh, Purdy went over, and then six minutes later, Nualago thought he'd uh, thought he'd be a bit of a forward there and uh, get involved. Um, did really well to uh, to get that ball over the line, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Well, he is built like a forward, isn't he? So it didn't surprise me. But yeah, I good good composure, good decision making to to get that try. I mean, we we were you know I was hoping we were going to score. I wasn't expecting him to do it. Um, but yeah, it was a really odd. It was an odd first half. I mean, we were under the pump for the first twenty quite a lot. I mean, we defended well. There's no doubt about it. But yeah, they made a few mistakes. But you know, Northampton had a lot of the, lot of possession. I think they had something like seventy percent possession first twenty minutes. And but we are uh, in the in, we are a side that can cope with that sort of thing. I thought we defended not as well. You know, we defend well. We, we, you know, we're a hard team, and we we sometimes you could argue we we made our own luck with that. And I mean, there was a good stat, wasn't there, that said that once we'd gone fourteen nil up, Saints hadn't missed a tackle. So they hadn't really done anything wrong, Saints. And, you know, it was tough on them in some ways, but and and it felt competent by us. Um but uh, it, it still worried me. I mean, I, it was really annoying letting them score just before uh, half time. I think that was a real uh, that was a real shame. And, and as it kind of turned out after the after the break, that was that was a bit of a. But you know, to be fair to Saints, that was that was the least they deserved, really. I'd say. Mm. I, I almost felt Lee. It was a bit uh, bit of a throwback when it came to game management, uh, giving away that try at the end of the first half. What was it? About twenty seconds left on the clock. Uh, Luatoa flips a forward pass out to Nualago. They get possession, uh, and and then they march down and score. Um, at half time, then up until that point, when when they scored the try. Uh, how were you feeling? Were you were you thinking that the win was there to uh, for us to just stroll uh, through the second half and collect the points? No, no, not a stroll tone. I, I, I mean, obviously, it was disappointing because fourteen nil at halftime is just sounds so much better. But um, I, I thought this game would go down to the wire, um, even even when we were fourteen nil up. But Saints just, to be fair, they came out in the second half. We had a 
a little mistake, didn't we, earlier on as well from the from the kickoff? And you know, we we're backs against the wall again. And and Saints, to be fair to them, I mean, it, again, it was a smash and grab really from us. You know, we 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 didn't deserve to beat them at Ashton Gate, and um, in that second half, they just kept putting the points on, didn't they? Putting the points on, and all of a sudden, we 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 were like you know, 21 points unanswered and we're chasing the game again. Uh, absolutely. And Pete, um, you know, they did get literally a lucky bounce of the ball with the the try that, that Furbank scored, but uh, they, they deserved it. They, they were the better of the team, weren't they, in that, that first 30 minutes of the second half? 100%. I mean, it's such a... Such a game of fine margins, though, both ways. I mean, that was a lucky bounce of the ball, but you make your own luck, and and I think they deserve that. But even just in the first half, thinking back, um, that you know, as you said, you know, that little forward pass from Steam to Siva. Um, I mean, you could argue with Siva's try to go forty nil. They'd already that was a third yellow, a third penalty was being called, and I would have. If we hadn't have scored, I did. I did wonder whether we'd uh, we'd be, um, you know, there'd be a yellow card for them, and that kind of just got forgotten. And if, if say they had got a card, you know, that might have changed things. It's it's always. I mean, it has to be fine margins when you're playing against decent sides. But yeah, we we were. That's. The, I mean, Malinder coming on, you know, they they substituted Grayson, who was having a great game, and the first thing Malinder did was miss an easy penalty that would have put them ten. 10 points up and, and that was a big I, I wrote down actually on my notes is this a turning point and like desperately hoping it was and it, it kind of turned out to be one in the end perhaps you know I know we scored two tries in the end but um, yeah fine margins and, and we are you know you look back at some of our games in the last few weeks and we've been coming out the right end of a few fine margins actually so and I think that's testament to our you know, the side we are, the squad we are. So we, we should celebrate it, but but never, ever, ever take anything for granted, which at the moment I don't think we do. But uh, yeah, it's tough on Saints. I really got to say that. Yeah, absolutely. And Pete, they, they would have been, as you say, 24-14 uh, up. Uh, uh, and then we had that, uh, well, you're, you're, you're our scrum half uh, correspondent. Uh, what what did you make of Urin's beautifully weighted pass out to Morahan for for that that, that try well it's interesting it was a fa- it was something like 27 meters uh and it was a great pass for a great try but I was actually I was thinking no keep it close to the posts yeah. because we had been pushing got closer to closer and I was thinking no just keep and actually what I thought was that we would should have gone for a crash ball or something a bit like Bigger did for Wales last night just get someone come on the crash ball when you're and score close to the post because it was a great try but then I was thinking but but, but Bedlow's got to slot this and of course you know, I feel a bit guilty that I just assumed he'd miss it. And he absolutely nailed it. But, I mean, you can't complain about it. But that kind of shows the absurdity sometimes. A fantastic try actually makes things more difficult. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it was a it was a good it was a good try. But I was a bit nervous when it was – I was thinking, corner flag, really? <laughs> We've just yeah, spent no. 10 minutes under the post. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I was screaming, no, keep it tight, because yeah. I thought – we were going to score and potentially one of them was going to get a yellow card. Yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, pleased as I was when the, the try was scored, I was, th- I was like you, I was thinking, but was going to struggle to slot this, but what a great kick under I mean, pressure that, again. Do you think that, yeah, exactly. He's the kind of curse of the Saints, isn't he? Do you think that that's 
that's him paid back now for these that three three match ban for his tip tackle because I, I reckon he's been in the doghouse 100% with Pat for that well I, I, I think that's a big chunk off his uh, debt to, yeah. to, to Pat and, and Lee we've just talked about you know if Malander had scored that penalty they would have then been um, uh, 24-21 do you think they would have gambled quite so much then on the kickoff that led to our, our final try well, first of all, I, I'm so glad that you guys agreed with me because I I felt the same thing. Keep the ball with the forwards, go in under the post, and job done. So I, I was scared to say that because I thought I, I'm doing a Miles here because that's the sort of thing Miles would say. So you two have just verified my my decision there. Um, but yeah, when when the yeah when they did kick it forward, I, I just I just felt at the end they kind of. They didn't need to kind of put that pressure on, but obviously they, they, they knocked on. But I mean, ultimately, it was absolute class. I mean, we, we're going to mention the replacements bench anyway, aren't we? But it was absolute class that one handed pickup from Fitzhardin. And not only that, but actually to thread the ball through two Saints players to get it out to Andy Uren. Um, and to be fair, I mean, Uren, he must have been shattered before he picked that ball up, but he, he raced in, didn't he, underneath the posts. Um, and it it was just fantastic. And it was probably, as Pete said, probably the only mistake Saints had made all game, in fairness. Um, and it just goes to show the fine margins at this level, doesn't it? Absolutely. And I, I, I was doing the uh, column for the Bristol Post and with 10 minutes to go, it was going to be a very different column than uh, than it ended up to be. Uh, incredible to to get the bonus point as well uh, on at the end of the day. So let, let's talk, uh, let's pick out some of the players. Um, Pete, if I come to you, maybe, maybe give me your thoughts on the forwards uh, and uh, who, who you thought stood out um, in... in in the pack yeah I mean it's hard there wasn't really any standout players it was it was another competent solid pack performance the, the sort of performance that would would worry every other team in the premiership we're, we're, we're no jokers I think the only thing that I, I remember from the commentary was that, that Northampton's kind of ruck speed was a lot quicker than ours and I I just think we were a bit sloppy at the breakdown. I know that, that you know we gave away a few penalties for holding on, and, and in some ways you don't blame the player for that who's holding on. It's it's the it's the supporting players not clearing out quick enough, and uh, you know I, I it's fine margins. We keep saying fine margins, but you know they did it. They did. They, the defense was great. I mean, Joycey was. Yeah, he was a, you know, he was a, 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 he was really solid. I mean, he was, he was the line-out king. You know, he, he never. He, in fact, there was a couple of times actually. Even made a couple of breaks, didn't he? He even made a couple of, um, almost made a couple of line breaks. You know, I think he's, uh, he's been watching videos of. Um, you know, of uh, Charles Piertow and people like that. But yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, if if I could take it the other way and say that, and I, I feel like I'm going to have to take one for this, for us, for our team, by saying Steve Luatua probably didn't have his greatest game today, did he? Um, one of us has got to say it. And um, no, we're all agreed, yeah. I think, on and that. I, and, I, and I don't, and I think he probably admitted, I mean, it was still quality, you know, in, in mortal terms. <laughs> 
but he <laughs> he he made a few mistakes, didn't he? And and you know, I just wondered. Uh, I did wonder in the second half a little bit that maybe the you know it, we it was too much for us. We'd we'd had a lot of hard games, and maybe this was one that we were going to let go. Uh, having said all that, if you're talking forwards, Capon, what a, I mean, what an introduction for the bench. Uh, I mean, you look at him and you think, what that was. I mean, he made a couple of fantastic breaks. His hands are good. He presents the ball well. He, I mean, that was probably. I mean, we know he's a, he's had some great games off the bench, but I thought, what a what a what a um, in performance he had, and and Fitz Harding as well. Obviously, we talked about him with that try. So it was really kind of forward wise. It's really the uh, Vui and Joyce as usual front row. You know, you always got respect of the front row for what they do. But Lahif came on with his filthy rig. And uh, he looked quite hungry, didn't he, for stuff? So, in a way, I suppose let's point out to the system forwards that came on more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think it was the the the, the starting eight uh, up front uh, ha- ha- all had a fairly solid game. Uh, one, one question for you, Pete, before I come to Lee and talk about maybe the backs, um, Nathan Hughes. Does he look fit to you? Well, uh, I, I guess, given the <laughs> the loaded nature of that question, Tony, I would probably say no, he didn't. He, he actually looked like he had a bit of a hangover when he came out with his hair all over the place. I mean, it was a bit of a it was a bit of a mess. I got quite used to seeing his nice little plaits, and you know, it was a right old sort of hedgerow. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think we've got to remember that he was out injured, playing himself back in. He, he didn't look as as he, he looked like he was kind of stuck in one gear, um, and he and, and I don't think we'll ever co- fault his commitment to the cause, but uh, yeah, he did get subbed early, um, didn't really make a huge impact, uh, and I think we've talked about this before is that I just think we love him to bits, but if he isn't at his absolute fittest and his strongest. He does lack that finesse to just kind of make different things happen. And uh, and then when you see kind of a young buck like Fitz Harding come on and pick it up with one hand and sidestep three people and drill a pass straight to her own, you, you kind of amplifies that feeling a little bit. And that's not to say that Nathan Hughes is like written off because that's competition, isn't it? Hughes is going to watch the videos back and he'll, he'll, he'll you know, he'll get on that treadmill um, he'll stop his uh, he'll stop his um, delivery account and uh, and and I reckon he'll come back strong for for the business end of the season. Well, let's hope so. And I do wonder whether Pat's managing managing him a little bit uh, back from that injury. But Lee, uh, talking about the backs, uh, who who caught your your eye um, well, from from scrum <clears throat> half through to to fullback. Well, first of all, Tony, thank you for for giving uh, Pete the loaded question on Nathan Hughes because obviously with with my past record with the big fella, it was uh, it was nice to avoid that one. Um, yeah, I, I thought you didn't need any more trouble with Big Nave. <laughs> um, in terms of the backs, I I thought I don't know. I, I I don't mean to be critical on this. I um I I thought that O'Connor defensively was really good. But I don't think we really showed the same kind of um, commitment in attack that we normally do. Um, now, I know that was probably due to a lot of um, Saints pressure. Um, and obviously, we've already alluded to the fact that, they're, you know, they were fast out of the blocks. 
Um, but I did think Purdy, again, at fullback, I thought he was good. I thought, um, obviously, apart the, the try aside, I thought some of his kicking was really good. Um, obviously, I just mentioned O'Connor was good defensively, but I, I just I felt that Leua was was quiet, um, and that surprised me actually because I thought he needed a, a decent game. Um, I also thought um, Adiolokun wasn't really on the ball that often at all going forward. Um, it, yeah, I, I'm sounding really critical, but it, it was just one of those games, I think, where, you know, we had to dig in and Saints were playing so well. But um, obviously the standout has got to be... I, I thought Tiff played OK, actually, I'll be honest with you. Um, I mean, there were some lovely hands. That, it was a brilliant rip out as well, wasn't there, from him in the, in the I think it was in the second half. Um, so I, I thought Tiff was was okay, um, but I thought Andy Urem again was brilliant, and the guys really stepped up since since Miles slated him. He he stepped up to the mark, and I thought obviously that pass side was um, was brilliant, and he he finished it off with the try at the end. So yeah, yeah, I I, I was just going to say on Andy Urem, there, there seems to be a lot more kicking, not not just him, but the, the yeah. team in general. Pete, let me come to you. Do, do you think to an extent that was to to try and help Eden through the game? Uh, you know, I, I noticed the last couple of games, we have seemed to to kick a lot more than maybe yeah, we have Yeah, I, I think so. It's definitely a strategy that we've used and um, Andy's employed more. I, I mean, his kicking's, his kicking's good. It's good enough to be a... a a premiership scrum half, but it's it's. He, I feel he tends to kick a bit long, um, and there was one moment where we made two quite. I just remember it. We made two quite good breaks, sort of line breaks to the forwards. It was kind of two. We had quite a bit of momentum, and then he kicked it, and it was just a mark, and into their twenty-two. And I just thought, ah, it's just it's just, a scrum half is such an important decision. We talk about it. it's a decision-making deci- position, and and you know it's it, you're really exposed if you make the wrong decision um but andy my only gripe with andy today because again i i i love him to bits and i think he's stepped up and he's you know the fact that he's playing 80 minutes virtually every match just shows that you know we we are mere kind of fan commentators the boys that really know the score they've got the laptops and are tracking everything must assume he must be be happy with what he's doing because he's staying on but he does have that he does give away penalties at, on the, at the, at the scrum quite a lot and he's got that little niggly thing I mean to be honest their try if I remember rightly I think he gave away a penalty when he was kind of you know he didn't need to go in and try and get the ball off their scrum off you know you've got to def- you, you know if they've got if they're going to get it away then you know, you've got to rely on your on your backline to, to defend it, and that's my only niggle with him. He, he just sometimes overtries, but when he when it counts, you know, we wouldn't have had anyone else on the pitch when that ball went to him for that try. And I mean, it was a fantastic finish, and he pumped his little pistons, didn't he, like a little fella, like a man possessed to score that try. And on his interview afterwards, he's such a lovely little humble Bristol lad, isn't he? It's, it's, you know, you just think mm. he's like a year 11, like what, well, you know, I might be, it's like a little year 11 student. He's trying to please me with his homework. He's just such a nice guy. And I, yeah, he's, he's learning all the time. And to be honest, we owe him, we owe him because he's had to step in. Um, my only other thing I'd say about back, yeah, sorry, I, um, sorry. Yeah. If you could say about Andy, sorry, carry on. 
I, I was just going to say, I, I mean, it was sensational, the the, the pass for the third try. Uh, and then, you know, the way, I think, Lee, you said earlier, the way he raced in uh, for the, the final try just reminded me of uh, like a, a, a great... The, the saints were the greyhounds and he was the little the little yeah. hare uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and they weren't going to catch him he he, he they they was, were never going to catch him and that that's adrenaline because that's 80 yeah. plus minutes or 76 there was, minutes there was uh, no Ballymena bob in that saints back line was there um, <laughs> no, can i just say no. with the backs the one person we haven't mentioned or lee didn't mention was siva actually it was um, it obviously scored a try you know, could have scored maybe another one when that pass from Steve went forward because to me it looked like he had the uh, a free run in. He was he, he had a bit of an iffy game, Steven, didn't he? He was kind of he, he, sometimes he, I feel like he's over trying a little bit. I mean, there was one. I mean, there's one attempted catch under the high ball that literally rebounded back to the kicker, wasn't it, off his head at one point, and then. There was another one where he came, he came out of the line so fast and wrong that it was. Uh, I still think he needs a bit of work yeah. on his defensive stuff. I and mean, it was it was a bit like a kind of ballistic yeah. missile, like a North Korean ballistic missile that looks good but then just lands in the sea and, and on no man's land. And I just thought, you know, he, he looked he he gives away a bit a few stupid pens, doesn't he? So. Um, yeah, but, you know, I'd rather have him than not, obviously. <laughs> Absolutely, Lee, you wanted to come in there. I, I just wondered what you, you guys actually thought about Leua, because I, I just thought he was quiet. Did you think the same thing? Would, it, it just didn't seem to have the same fizz. I, to be honest, I, I, I yeah. thought he played pretty good. Um, may, maybe didn't show so much attacking. Having said that, it was a beautiful pass for Purdy for, for the first try. Mm. But I just thought he played a, a great defensive shift. Uh, he's very quick with his his, his line speed. Uh, and I think he just disrupted them. So so maybe it wasn't a stars-in-your-eyes performance, but uh, I, I thought he did all right. question I want to ask you boys is I personally felt um, Tiff did all right but he just lacks a bit of presence. I don't. I don't really feel that he commands a game. And actually, when Sam Bedlow came on, I, I just had that confidence a bit more that we had somebody. May, maybe it's that slightly slightly more experience. Um, but I just felt that helped us get things moving. So the question I'm going to ask you is: Have we seen Tiff Eden play his last start? At number ten for Bristol Bears, Pete. Well, I think so. I, I think I think you're right, Tony. It's gravitas that he hasn't quite got, isn't he? You know, it's uh, and he's and I think he's done a great job. He's stepped up. Uh, he was. I think he was better today than he was last week in many ways. But yeah, I mean, let's face it. Bedlow was was probably put on the bench because of his three match ban. Otherwise, he'd be starting. And now Sheedy's back. Malin's back. You know. Bedders is probably down to third choice now. Uh, Tiff will be back to fourth. I mean, uh, you know, I think that you're right. It's hard if, if, if Lloyd comes back from injury as well. It's kind of and Powell maybe is quite close as he. It's hard to see where Eden will, will fit even in the the twenty three from now on. Um, but you know, it, <laughs> that's 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 I guess that's professional rugby, isn't it? And, and he's done his job when he needs to, and I'm sure he'll get. A, his plaudits at the end of the season, whatever happens for, for the role that he played in these last two games. So uh, fair play to him. Yeah. 
What do you think, Lee? Yeah, I, I hate to say it, but I'd, I'd agree with um, Pete there. I, I think, it, to me, I, and I know he's coming from a, you know, he, he just had a, a nightmare start, really, didn't he, when he got on against, uh, was it Wasps? And I, I feel exactly the same. I don't, I don't know if he feels overruled by some of the big names in that side, but he, he's, it, there is a, definitely a marked difference between when Bedloe comes on and and today, obviously, it, it ultimately got us the the five points, didn't it? Um, I, I'll be honest; I don't know if if we would have got that if Tiff would have stayed on. Even though he was, like Pete said, he was better than than last week. I really like the guy, and I hope he, I, you know, I hope whatever he does moving forward, I, I hope he has a a good career. But I I, I just don't necessarily think it it might be it, it bears. Uh, okay, well, let, let, let's just round off some of the stats from that game. You were right. We, uh, I think, Pete, you said that we 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 were about thirty percent possession, weren't we, uh, in the first half? But actually, overall in the game, we ended up with fifty five percent possession, fifty six percent territory. Um, uh, we made four hundred twenty three meters, uh, and interestingly, uh, top meters was Nualago with seventy nine. Second was Purdy with 68 metres. Who was third? Lee, you've, your guess first. Oh, that's a tough one, actually. I'm going to go for... Um, I am not, I'm going to go for O'Connor just because he runs around a lot anyway. Okay, Pete. Capon with 59 no meters wow. in tw- in 24 that, minutes that for was, a hooker. That that was really impressive, and he, he was he ended up on the wing a couple of times as well, didn't he? I mean, for a young lad, Capon has got a serious future. I tell you what, he's, he's put himself he w- into a potential starting position again now with Burn. Burn was yeah. Burn was good. Yeah, we love him, the human cement mixer. But you know, Capon just I feel like Capon. He's just got that little X factor as well, hasn't he? And he's he's solid with X factor. <laughs> no, I, I, absolutely. I mean that 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 was tremendous. He was like a raging bull, wasn't he? Um, and uh, very much in that that kind of Thacker style that he's he's very dangerous in the loose. And I, did I hear as well on I don't know if it was post match or in the commentary. Someone said that Th- they reckon Thacker's only two weeks yeah, away. That's yeah. yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean that that will be great. To, to, to get him back. Um, the only thing that worried me on the stats, um, Northampton, six penalties, Bristol 13. Again. Um, and again, if we can just bring that down, how much pressure would we have taken off ourselves? But let's let's look at the other games this week. We had uh, Friday night, Newcastle 18, Wasps 20, uh, Bath 47, Worcester 22, with Bath being, I think, 40 nil up at halftime. Quinn's next week's opponents, 59, Gloucester 24, Exeter 47, Leicester 31, and Leicester came back into that as well to, to towards the end. Uh, and then today, the other game, Sale 39, Irish 13. So apart from us beating Northampton, all those other teams at the top with us all got big five-point hauls this week. Uh, so the table is Bristol, still top, uh, 
played 14 with 56 points, Exeter on 49, Quinns on 44, Sale on 42, and Northampton Saints on 36. Well, let's look ahead now to next week's game. Um, Saturday, the 27th of March, 2 o'clock kickoff. It's on BT Sport 1 HD, and it's Bristol versus Harlequins. And uh, a little earlier uh, in the week... um, Pete caught up with Will and Michael Wood from the A Harlequins podcast. Uh, so let's hear what they had to say about next week's game. So um, really pleased to have you on the pod tonight, um, boys. Thanks very much for doing it. And um, before we talk about rugby, I thought I'd ask you about your podcast because you're pretty new to the the fan podcasting world. And uh, I know you've been uh, doing uh, some really good stuff. So yeah, just tell us a little bit about how it all started and what your plans are and that sort of thing. Yeah, we certainly are new to the game. So my name is Will and uh, I've started the podcast with my cousin, Michael, um, both Quinns fans from from day one, really. Um, always talking during the game, flying back and forth on WhatsApps or, or putting out tweets with our opinions. Um, and when Gustard left in, in mid-January time, that was kind of the catalyst and that moment that made us think, well, why don't we just start talking about it? We're in the middle of lockdown. There wasn't too much going on to entertain us. Um, fans were sort of crying out for a, a little bit of content to engage with um, so we thought we'd give it a shot so we just jumped on Zoom started chatting about uh, Gustard departing and there was a few other players announced as leaving at the time and a few more re-signing with Danny announced as re-signing just a week or so later um, so we had all of this ammunition to, to go out and start recording some really cool episodes which hopefully our fans are, are enjoying it seems to be going well so far um, we've been incredibly lucky to, to collaborate with the Newcastle Falcons fan podcast. We've had female players from the Harlequins women team attend with Jess Breach and Izzy Mayhew. Um, we've spoken to our stadium announcer from The Stoop, who's also out of action at the minute due to COVID. Um, and then most recently, one of the first team players, Lewis Liner. So it's been a, a whirlwind six weeks or so, six, seven, eight weeks. Um, but it's great to be on the pod with you guys and, and to preview the game coming up, as you say didn't get the result we wanted back in December time um, but we're we're flying high at the minute so I'm expecting a close game fingers crossed I, I was going to say that uh, you timed it quite well by starting after that game on Boxing Day so uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah I mean we put in a, a, a strong performance in the second half at least in, in that game and, and it's fair to say that that Quinn since then have, have had a bit of an upward turn definitely in the season so I'm kind of interested to know you know what would you attribute the Quinn's kind of return to form too. Uh, it's also that really cliche thing of it happens in sport all the time. And it probably happens more in football, a manager or a head coach will leave. Yeah. There's a, there's always usually a reaction bad or, you know, good. And luckily we were on the, we were on the, the right side of that. I honestly don't really know what it, what it is. I think I'll be honest. I mean, we spoke about it on our podcast. There was a lot of, I think the stat came out. There was what hundred and something, hundred and twenty odd players used in in the gusted rain, and we went on that run. So we had a really great win at Wasps, and then we had some consistency for three, four, five weeks, barely any changes. Um, probably having the likes of Joe Marler stay when he could have been in the Six Nations squad helped, and we had a lot of players fit at the right time. I mean, we hadn't seen guys like Andre Hazen regularly. He, you know, we struggled to, to get him in at the sort of start of the COVID stuff and then he got injured and then he got suspended and whatever else and a few pieces of the puzzle came together quite nicely at the right time I mean someone like Will Evans and Marcus Smith has been you know, incredible for us and things just sort of came together in quite a nice way 
but I, I probably a little bit of luck. But I think the main thing for me was we had some consistency in our in our selection and some consistency in our performances. I mean, we spoke about it a few times. We we've lacked an 18 minute performance, but we've blown teams out of the water in the first 40 in the last four or five times we've we've played on that little hot run we had. The only other thing I'd add to that as well is there was lots of talk about the culture at the club um, and culture isn't always about sort of getting on with people. It's also the working culture and there were sort of whispers and rumours of, of Gustard almost being quite suffocating and restricting um, conversations or like allowing players to express themselves. Um, and I feel like the structure we've got now, we're actually still without a head coach, but we've got a coaching group um, and the trust that's been put in them by the general men the general manager Billy Millard um, has sort of allowed them to 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 take the squad to a, a slightly different level, play with a bit more flexibility and, and creativity. We've seen Danny Kerr in lineouts. We've seen Andre Esterhazen kicking for touch. They're trying things we haven't seen before, and I think there's a little bit more freedom in the way not only that the players are operating, but that coaching group are able to to work. I think is is a big part of how we've developed. Yeah, I mean, it, it seems to me as a kind of outside observer that some of your your big players are, are really performing. I mean, Mike Brown looks like a, a reborn sort of player. And I mean, you mentioned Danny Kerr. I mean, you know, he, he's he got a real lease of life. And, uh, you know, I, I do wonder whether it's got something to do with Harry Randall. You know, I think uh, maybe Danny <laughs> on Boxing Day was a little bit embarrassed about how well Randall played and, you know, and, and has maybe sparked him. But And also Joe Marler. I mean, he, he's having a fantastic season as far as I can tell. So, I mean, do you think those those key players have, have, have been really important to your revival? I think it's a different and interesting one. I mean, the Randall one's interesting. Because it was he was a bit of a bolt from the Six Nations, wasn't he? And unfortunately, he got injured. But we've relied so heavily on a core group of players for such a long time. You know, Marler, Robshaw, Kerr, Brown. That group of players has almost been the cornerstone of our club since almost 2010, even before we won it in 2012. Yeah. And although those guys, some of those guys are still there, they're playing some of the best rugby I've seen in the last three or four years. I mean, Mike Brown, I think, is, I won't say better than Max Malins, but I still think he's the form 15 currently playing in the Premiership. I mean, Danny Kerr, he had criticisms for a couple of years and maybe wasn't playing his best rugby. He was doing a lot of media stuff, but I think he's been brilliant the last few weeks. Obviously, the emergence of Marcus Smith and Alex Dombrandt, that new sort of crop, it's, it's exciting. And, you know, Joe Marler, I said, I, I still believe he's the best loose head in the Northern Hemisphere. For whatever yeah. reason, he's in and out of England squads and we all know the reasons for that, but we are just so lucky to have him. I think he's such an unappreciated player. And uh, yeah, again, just things have just come around at the same time. We've got a really good mix of guys that are just sort of coming to the back end of their career, but it still looks hungry. You know, they they might not have another shot in the next three, four years to win a trophy. It might be in the next two years, but then we've also got such an exciting group of, like I keep saying them, Evans, Don Brandt, uh, sorry, uh, Smith, Don Brandt, someone like Joe Marchant, Will Evans. It, things are sort of coming right for us at the minute. And I think, you know, guys like Mike Brown are sort of looking over their shoulders and going, actually, I probably should pull my finger out and make sure I'm still the form, you know, first choice 15 or first choice loose head, whoever it is. So, I mean, taking all that into account, uh, obviously we're talking now uh, about 10 days before we have the big, uh, the rematch at Ashton Gate. And I mean, the, you're right. I mean, it's quite a mouthwatering sort of thing, actually, this game. Uh, two Two teams that are scoring quite a lot of tries, um, you know, play a brand of rugby that is exciting. Uh, so, I mean, how do you guys think the game's going to pan out at Ashton Gate? Um, you know, what what sort of, how do you think Quins are going to cope with Bears? I mean, how do you think we might 
play against you? Do you think any players are going to be crucial? Uh, what do you think? I think it's going to be a, a great contest, that's for sure. I think we'll approach it in a similar way to Exeter. Obviously, the two clubs above us, uh, yourselves and Exeter, and um, we we see ourselves as a top four team now, which is crazy to think because we wouldn't have said that sort of two months ago. Um, but I see us approaching it in a similar way to the way we approached Exeter. I feel like it's, it's almost a, a cup final within the season. If we can get one over you boys now, um, and we almost did the same text to the other week that stands us in real good stead to, to where we actually are as a team and, and, and the barometer of, of where we're at. And if we go into the playoffs and we, we come up against you again, or we come up against Exeter again, then I think we'll fully fancy ourselves. Um, I do think we're underdogs going away to going away to you. Um, you'll have your Six Nations boys back, I assume. I don't think they'll they'll be rested given that they've had a lot of appearances off the bench as opposed to starting, um, thinking about Ben Earl and, and Max Malins. I think the, the key difference between Exeter and yourselves will, will be the bat line. Um, I think we really fronted up against Exeter in the forwards. We put out our heaviest pack and we really nullified that attack and we kept Sam Simmons quiet. Um, and I think the, the pack in particular had a really good game. We looked at their back line. We weren't too threatened by that. I know they've got Joe Simmons pulling the strings at 10, but I'm, I'm fully confident in our back line with, with Marcus um, and the players he's got outside him as well. I think where that will be different coming up against your lot is your back line is just ridiculous like wherever you look I mean you've, you'll probably have Sheedy back at 10 if not Lloyd's a very very good replacement um, obviously Randall's injured which will, will probably benefit us but Andy Urin at 9 again I mean he could be wearing the 9 shirt when Randall comes back anyway he's that good um, another area which will probably benefit us is I think Semi Rodrada will still be out in fact, I'm sure he'll still be out, um, which I'm pretty pleased about because he's, he's your X-Factor player that can, if it's a tight contest and you need one man to win it, he's your man. Um, I you see it being tight. You pull, you pull now Largo off the, out, of, out of rugby league yeah. and suddenly he's almost the next best thing. I mean, it's yeah, where, where are you getting these, these Fijian superstars left, right and centre? They're exciting, aren't they? Um, but no, I think it'll be a tight contest, but I do think there'll be lots of tries in it. I think it'll be exciting to watch. Well, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I, I kind of agree with what you're saying. And I think it's it's a real mouth-watering tie. And I think uh, the PR department at Premier Rugby are going to be just as excited about this game as, as all yeah. the fans are as well. Uh, but yeah, Mike, what were you going to say? It's an interesting one for me because I think we said it on our pod. It's if we're going to think that, you know, we're serious top four contenders in the next this year or next year we've got to go down to Bristol and, and, and back ourselves I mean if we looked at how where we played yourselves and Exeter at the start of the season compared to playing them in this block we think and we hope we're going to finish in the top four so if we get a win in 10 days time we shouldn't then go have any, have any fear if we face from the playoffs the difference is if you know if, if you if we go down to Bristol on you know whenever in, in 10 days time and you turn us over and make us you know think actually maybe we're not as good as we think we are then maybe come top four end of the year we could be a little bit off the mark but you know I, I look at that Bristol side and there are names in there that absolutely terrify me which don't you don't get in all the premiership clubs I mean guys like Exeter Simmons you know in that club. but I look at that Bristol side and I look at you know Piatal and Luatua and Ben Earl and teams like and they're terrifying prospects to play against for what is still although with some great you know, experience on our side we're still a young side and yeah it's it's going to be tough but I'd like it to just be there's nothing to lose down there we get down to your place we throw the ball around we, maybe we get a couple of scores up and we think alright now <laughs> try and defend for our lives but yeah it's going to be interesting to see what happens
Well, I think, uh, yeah, I agree with you and, uh, and, and we will see. Well, Pete, um, I thought it was really interesting uh, to hear the guys and how eloquent were they? And I know they haven't been doing the podcast long, but um, I thought they were really good, really insightful uh, and very interesting to hear what they said about Gustard as well, that maybe was a bit of a suffocating factor in, in Quinn's, but they, they've certainly clicked, haven't they, Quinn's? Yeah, since absolutely. He's gone. Yeah. I mean, Mike's a teacher, so, you know, what do you expect? Uh, but um, they were really good lads. Geography. Yeah, PE, <laughs> actually. Uh, young, young lad, though. You know, I, I off, off, off air, I gave him a few tips for the classroom, but um, he, uh, yeah, really good lads. Really like him. I really, I, I've actually listened to their pod a couple of times and, you know, they're, they're young and they, they're, they're like innovative and, um, and they were they 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 said that they started it on the back of Gusgard leaving, and they'd been chatting about stuff a bit like we did with ours, you know, chatted about stuff, always talking about the club, found a, an opportunity, and and went for the pod, and uh, and, I, and I, I wish them all the best. I mean, sadly. <laughs> I then got interviewed by them uh, back about Bristol, but they they put theirs out as a kind of video thing as well as an audio thing. So I'm I was I was Ooh. in some ridiculous t-shirt that was like I was I was I didn't I, I didn't realise I would have dressed up for the the occasion if I'd known. And I looked like I just the hair was everywhere. I had this old sort of baggy t-shirt on. Where, where, were you wearing a smuggler? Well, I mean, <laughs> you know, at one point I did wonder whether I, if I should have got them out just for a bit of a laugh. For but yeah, so maybe we'll get a bit of an uptick, boys, on our um, our pod numbers midweek when when they release their pod because they'll be uh, yours truly <laughs> will be uh, interviewed on it. That's if I if I make the cut, of course. I've got to say, I, I don't think I was that good to be honest. <laughs> Well, I certainly think one area that we maybe have got the edge on them is our our name, Uh, Bears Beyond the Gate, uh, a little bit innovative. Um, uh, But but their their podcast is called A Harlequin's Podcast. (laughs) I mean, it's it's a, you know, it's a Ron Seal one, isn't it? it it's it says what it is on the tin absolutely but fair play to them and uh, yeah i think they they're doing great stuff with their their podcast so let's talk about the game uh, let me come to you lee um we we go into the game seven points clear at the top of the table with a mahusif uh game away at bordeaux the following weekend uh is pat going to be tempted to use some of his points in the bank to maybe rest a few people against Harlequins? Or do you think Pat sees this as an important game to put a marker down against a team that we could well be playing in the playoffs in a couple of months' time? Well, usually I think that with Europe in mind, I think Pat might have rested a few players. But we've also got to remember that statistically 61 points gets a top four position. And we're one bonus point win away from that. So I think Pat is going to do his um, his usual juggling act. And um, Quinns are in really, really good form. And this is this is going to be a, a, a tough game no matter what. But I think Pat will... will I think he'll edge his, his bets. And I think we'll have a strong team. But I think possibly there's a couple of players that... that might be rested this for next week with Bordeaux in mind. Okay, Pete, and what what do you see as far as team selection? Obviously, we got uh, 
We've got some of our internationals coming back. We don't know the extent of Max Malin's injury, but certainly Sinclair, Earl and Sheedy uh, are all uh, fit as far as we know. Uh, do you think they walk straight back into the starting well, 15? Well, I was going to say, I think that I think he might play them in order to rest one or two. Uh, I mean, it was interesting that Piertau, Charles won playing today. Do we know whether that was just rested or was it as he got a niggle? No, apparently it was an injury. <laughs> Again, I think I heard on the commentary where they said it was it was an injury. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I think either Malins will go straight in at fullback, or he'll or he'll or Purdy. To be fair, I mean, put Purdy back at foot. I mean, there's nothing wrong with Purdy at fullback. And I was thinking about Purdy just on a very quick aside. Is that if someone worked with him, he's not far off being an absolute quality fullback, like England potential. I really. When he, I just saying that to my missus when he pumped over for that try. I thought, what, what exactly does Dad Elliot Daly do that he does he doesn't do? I mean, it was it was good. Anyway, I I would say either him or Malins will start fullback. Probably if Malins is fit, obviously. If he isn't, then Purdy will be a shoe in. Um, I think I think Earl will play in some form. He's got to get some game time. Whether he starts, whether they'll give Thomas a break for Bordeaux. Put, put, uh, I mean, I'd put Earl probably straight in, actually, and just say, get in there, son. Get some game time. Um, and Because we know we've got backup if, if, if it doesn't come off or he gets tired or whatever. I would put Sinclair straight in. I just think keep the momentum. Get that monkey, that, that game against Ireland out of his head. Stick him straight Sinclair, like to me, I think it's a bit like Hughes. You've got to play him so he doesn't think too much about stuff. Get him in there. Get him. Get him. Get him. Get him scrummaging. Give him the ball. Give him a few. You know, tell him he's brilliant. Tell him we love him. Tell him we've missed him. And you know, and then see what he's like for the game against Bordeaux afterwards. And Sheedy, obviously, straight back in. I'd, I'd say Sheedy in. I just, we need Sheedy. Like you said, we didn't have that gravitas yeah. at fly off. And Sheedy hasn't played full games for Wales. So it's not as if he's going to be overcooked, is he? So stick him in. No, absolutely. I think with Sinclair as well, obviously, he, he's in there in the trenches. But you think with the, the band... It, he had for his effing and jeffing at the Exeter uh, game. He he had what a c- couple of weeks off games, there without a game. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then obviously the Six Nations have a couple of rest weeks as well. So um, you know he's not been overplayed. So I, I agree with you. I think I think he comes straight back in. Sheedy is a shoe in uh, for for that number ten spot. And uh, yeah, I think it will be interesting. I think if Malins is fit, um, then, he goes yeah. on the wing. P- potentially Purdy on the wing, Ad- Adi Aloken uh, drops out. Um, it was interesting. Got Morahan. I tell you what was I found fascinating was the fact when it when he scored the try, it came up. That's only his second Premiership try of the season. He didn't play until January, um, did he? Uh, injury all beginning, and then he he was sort of then he went off again for a bit. He's he's had a very. I'm hoping that Morahan is kind of. It, you know he's going to be the business end for us as we're driving yeah, towards three. domestic and European glory <laughs> at the end of the season. There we are. Um, so that will make it interesting if Sinclair comes in. You would imagine does Afoa keep the place on the bench for the last twenty minutes, or do they give give him a breather after playing a game uh, and 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 have Lahif to back up? I Sinclair. think so. I think I think I'd rather have John down in Bordeaux uh, than, than at Quinns and, and at Gate well, with Quinns with, with Max covering for him I, I think we need some we need some filth down in Bordeaux because we really want to win that game don't we? 
absolutely. Boys, can I just check? Neither of you were on the run from... Uh, no. We were talking about Line of Duty. I can hear a helicopter yeah. in the background. I, I, I can it's hear that, it it's, the, well. it's the Bristol <laughs> copter. It often hovers over BS3, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it, it is. I Well, Sorry. there we are. We talked about Line of Duty, and, and we're, the police helicopter is hovering above us. So it's like apologies being back if, in the <laughs> if, if you can hear that sound um, right in, in the background, then uh, apologies. Yeah, but uh, oh, outside yeah, well, your window, it is it? Sounds what like it's outside to? at the moment um, in my backyard. Yeah. Ooh. So, any, any, any more changes then? Uh, you know, Fitz Harding, uh, what, what an incredible, as yeah. we've talked about, um, uh, cameo performance from him. Uh, but, uh, you know, if if Earl's back in and Dan Thomas drops to the bench, probably there wouldn't be a space for Hardy. Your thoughts? Mm. No. Or do you give da- di- Dan Thomas the, I think a week it, off as well? To I give Dan him. Thomas a, perhaps a week off. He's played a lot of games, hasn't he? And uh, if Earl's in, now I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe rest Thomas. It's so difficult, isn't it? It's like a jigsaw. Um, I think the other issue is who starts at hooker. You know, I I think he'll he'll use Burn. I think he'll probably want Burn at Bordeaux. Just because it rhymes, but you know it's. A, but um, I just wonder. I mean, Capon. We have the only question about Capon. Question mark is that has he always had a, such a good game when he started than when he's come on? I don't know. I can't remember. I, I, My instinct is not, mark, but it? could be wrong. But don't forget, if Fakir's ready in a couple yeah. of weeks, then we're getting we're getting very close and, to. And to be honest, know, having having some good what? issues. It, it, Whatever yeah, okay. we say about Quinns, I mean, they were 24-all with Gloucester. They're, they're not exactly a tight side. It's going to be a loose game. And Capon is good in the yeah. loose, as we saw today. So, why, you know, Pat might say, you know, boy, get in there, son. Get yourself a couple of tries. Get that big yellow cap <laughs> piling down the wing. I, I mean, I think it could be an absolute crackerjack of a game, Harlequins. Just kind of mistakes and ball flying everywhere. And um, I, I see this being a high-scoring game, boys. You'll, you'll hear this in my predictions, but I, I think there'll be, be a lot of tries in this one. Well, okay. Well, that's a nice segue then through to uh, the predictions. Um, just looking back on last week, I think I take the uh, the credit for my twenty four nineteen prediction, which was the closest. So, Lee, go on then. Tell me what your score prediction is for the Quinns Bristol game. Right. So this is going to sound a bit like a Miles one. By the way, who is? Who is doing Miles' prediction? <laughs> I'll, I'll do Miles. I'll do Miles this week. Um, all right. So I have got Bang a high-scoring forty-six thirty-two win for, for Bears. Oh, I tell you what. If, if if that if that's the result, I'll be that that will be quality entertainment, won't it? Oh yeah. Pete, how about you? Well, given that Gloucester scored at least 24 points against them, that I think we got to assume we can do the same. So I'm going to say 30-23 to Bristol. 30-23. Well, I'm going to go for a 28-24 uh, win for Bristol. Because I do think Quinns have got some real form at the moment. Uh, and prediction for Miles, Miles is going to go for a 3 0 Bristol I'm win. I'm surprised you didn't say Miles would have gone for a 4 0 win. 
<laughs> yeah, actually, I'm going to change that. Yeah, four, four nil. Brilliant. Like, like, like that. Like that. <laughs> So uh, no, I'm, I mean I am I am hugely looking forward to this game because I, I Quinns are one of the teams that I've uh, I, I've watched quite a bit of this season, and um, you know I always enjoy watching them play, and I think Marcus Smith is, is a great number ten, Don Brandt, quality player. Uh, I think you, they said on the podcast, or you mentioned it, Pete uh, Brown is 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 playing exceptionally well at the moment. Danny Care is, you know, uh, right on form. They've got some some players, uh, Marler as well. Uh, they've got some really good players in that team. I think it will be a tough I hope, game. Actually, I hope Lahid do, does play actually, because uh, I'd love I'd love Marler and Lahid <laughs> to be having a few conversations. Oh, time. That. And if they could pick up, they could well, super for yeah. all of us it would be brilliant to hear that <laughs> uh, abso- absolutely Mike up Lahif exactly. and Marla that, that'll be that'll I would be, be surprised if Tom Safran's already thought about that and he's going to have a little a secret microphone on Lahif somewhere in his kind of like under his shirt <laughs> just so that they can uh, feed some social media out to his uh, to get a few more listeners it would be great <laughs> And, and talking about social media, see see Max's interview now. Yeah. That's up to two point four million incredible. views. <laughs> Fantastic, you know. It's actually, um, sorry, I, I, I was just going to say, it just reminded me that when I did the like the reverse interview for the for the A Harlequins pod, that's what they asked me. They asked me who would I sign, who would I want from Harlequins to sign for Bristol, and I said Joe Marla just because I just the thought of having Joe Marla, Max Leheath. John Afoa, all in the same club, would just be like <laughs> the best thing ever. So we, our social media team would go ballistic if we had all those in there. So, <laughs> I, 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 I think uh, Tom Tainton might be worried a little bit as well. M- what might be coming out, but uh, yeah, what, uh, what, what characters they are. Okay. You're listening to Bears Beyond the Gate, a Bristol Bears podcast made by fans for fans. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Podbean, Buzzsprout, and many more platforms. You can contact us with your comments and ideas by email at bearsbeyondthegate at gmail.com. On Twitter, we're at bearsbeyondgate. And on Facebook, you can like and follow our Bears Beyond the Gate page. Well, we, we've put it off uh, thus far, but uh, I feel we need to talk about the Six Nations. Let me come to you first, Lee. Uh, that England performance against uh, Ireland. Um, how was it for you? Well, I'm probably the wrong person to ask, Tane, because uh, I I actually switched off. It was uh, it was that bad. I um I can't remember a time that I've been so disappointed in England and and just really not knowing like where we're going with it. Um, you know, the, the just the whole kind of the game plan, everything, the indiscipline is so, so strange for me. It's like, I know I've said it before, but it's almost like watching the French in the eighties, you know, it's, it's, we're just giving away so much stuff. And, um, I, I just turned it off, mate. I fed up with it. Absolutely fed up with it, to be honest. Um, uh, and Pete, how sad is that? I mean, I, to be honest, I, I, Halfway through that second half, my my heart sunk, and uh, I must admit I was probably looking more on my phone than I was at the the TV screen. Um, you know, Sinclair did okay. Uh, Bernal, 
again, came on, did some good things, gave away some penalties. Um, but uh, overall, I, I think Clive Woodward said about it on the TV interview afterwards, it's, it's a step back. And have we ever really shaken off or understood that performance in the World Cup final against South Africa. No, I, I, I 100% agree with, with uh, Sir Clive, and I think most people did. No, I mean, I just think it's just unacceptable. It's unacceptable that we use a premier tournament that us fans invest emotion and at times money in the past for him to indulge Saracens players. I, I, I've got to say, I just thought about this is. There was, you know, that's that's where the problem was, playing players that haven't played and are, and are out of form, uh, and and at the expense of of players in the Premiership who are playing out of their skin, who would who would do a job, um, and you know, that's why Sinclair came out of it relatively positively because he's been playing and he has done a good job. Um, I mean, I do I, Tom Youngs. See, I, I can't even call him. Tom Ben Youngs anymore. I just call him Tom Youngs because he may as well have his brother playing at scrum off. I mean, you know, he has one good game for every 20. And I put something out and then somebody had on Twitter said, oh, we bossed the French. It's like, yeah, we finished fifth. So and he played That's every right. single I mean, game. So he had one good game. It's unacceptable to have one good game. In, you've got to be on it all the time. The guy is a nice guy, but he doesn't pass the ball quickly out of the what the scrum. He makes too many mistakes, and his decision making good enough, and he still ended up scoring a try. I just think, you know, I, I, I okay, it's a hard game. Eddie Jones, but then laughably came out and said, "We finished stronger than we started." I mean, is the man insane? Is the man insane? Who is line managing him? Is anybody line managing him? I'm not sure about that. But to me, it's as England fans have bemoaned for game after game after game, it's just this one-dimensional game plan. And, you know, in the second half, we we were breaking the game line and making some good forward momentum. And then after a couple of breaks, we kick it away. At all, at pace, at any time in that game. Okay, Ireland played well. But you've got to manipulate defenders to get to these positions. This is top level rugby. And I, I shouldn't I don't think we should underestimate yeah. how well Ireland played no, as well. Cool, I mean cool they, they, they were they were excellent. And actually, you know, if it wasn't for that sending off uh against Wales, they could well have been in contention for, for this title. But Lee, let me come back to you. And you know, who would have thought two or three seasons ago that um you know, a Welshman would be providing us the cheer uh, for 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 um, the Six Nations watching. Um, how many more Bristolians have been ch- uh, tuning into the Welsh games than ever before for for Callum? And obviously, fantastic game uh, there, and they just came out on the wrong side of the result. Uh, but wow, what 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 a tournament Callum's had! Yeah, he's been brilliant, hasn't he? I mean, like you say, he's, he's had you know cameo roles, but when he's ste- when he's come on, he's absolutely stepped up. And you know, it's been seamless. I think the the transition from Premiership rugby to international rugby for Callum, and he just to me, he just every single game he looks more and more at home. And um, as a as a Bristolian, um, 
just so proud of him, you know, even even though I still think he's wearing the wrong shirt. But, um, you know, no, it's, it's been great. All joking aside, it has been great to see him performing like that. And, um, yeah, we're, we, you know, he's... The Welsh were very, very unlucky, weren't they, to, to be really close to something special this season, which I don't think any of us thought before the start of the Six Nations. No. And, and Pete, uh, on, on Callum Sheedy, how, how much of that experience from having a really good Six Nations and playing with some of the best players in the Northern Hemisphere, how much do you think that's going to help him when he puts the number 10 shirt on again for we, Bristol Bears? We mentioned Bears? it already. It's gravitas. It's just confidence in your position and your ability and and bossing the show. I mean, this is the thing about Tiff Eden that you mentioned. You know, he, technically, he's a great player. He's got a great boot on him, but it's just that little extra, you know, knowing how to boss the forwards around, making the decisions. And, and we have missed that a little bit from, from, from not having Sheedy. But yeah, I just think he's, I mean, t- talk about last week, we talked, we, we talked about Atwood, didn't we? Sitting down Fekatoa. What about when Sheedy came on, he sat down Vakatawa, didn't he? There was one tackle where yeah. he just marmalized Vakatawa. And that, and that, you know, that's another unheralded part. Well, not really unheralded because we all know it, that Sheedy is, an all, he's a he's an all park player, uh, defense and attack. Um, yeah, he'll. I mean, hopefully, he's also he's not going to swagger back into the high performance center with all his stash. You know, he. I, I I think he'll come back and he'll just be the same as he's always been. And he's part of the leadership group anyway, and it just means he's even better as part of that group. Um, and I I can't have. You know, some people wanted France to win yesterday, and I. I, I don't know. I I found that you know, I was I was gutted for Wales to be honest. And Lee, you want to you want to say something? Just wanted to pick up on what Peter just said then about um, Callum being part of the leadership group because when we went to the Q and A and Pat Lamb had said to to us that Callum was part of that group, I think we were all a little bit shocked because of his age. We thought, well, how can he be that? You know, how can he have that much gravitas in the in the squad already? Um, but now you absolutely see it, can't you? I mean, it is just, um, it's phenomenal the way that the guy is and, and, and full kudos to him. He's just, he, his career is just going onwards and upwards for me. And I've got to say, he's one of the nicest people. Yeah. When you hear him in interviews, he's grounded, he's honest. Uh, you can tell, obviously, he's incredibly hardworking because, you know, he's he's not a Finn Russell, he's not a flair number 10, but, my God, he gets a team going and a backline going. Yeah. Uh, and he is just getting better and better and better. And I can't wait to see him back in a Bristol shirt because, you know, we are coming to a really tasty uh end of a season now and you think some of the players that we're going to get back as well uh when it gets to the business end in in may and june um you know i think callum's going to be pulling the strings and we we could see some real real fireworks um one thing i don't know if you picked it up uh i think european professional rugby this week uh said that they will make an announcement shortly about the finals weekend in marseille um uh and i think you don't have to read between the lines too much to to realize maybe for the second year running with the ongoing problems with covid19 in france uh whether that final 
final weekend uh, will will be cancelled and for the Challenge Cup and the Champions Cup, alternative arrangements will be made. But I think they said they were going to uh, make an announcement. I don't know if it was before the, the round of 16, uh, but uh, it's certainly under review. So you've got to think. It would be nice if it's back at Ashton oh, Gate, wouldn't it? It's going to have to be in the UK, surely. Yes. Well, I suppose they're going to see what what teams uh, what teams are in the final, maybe. But uh, well, you say it's the only uh, place we'll, in Europe we'll that's wait. safe at the moment, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good I've lad. had my jab now. Had my jab on Saturday. Hey. So, I missed out by my week. <laughs> that's, that's, that's half half of Bears Beyond the Gate vaccinated is. up now. Yeah. So. Miles and I can keep things going. Can you can you imagine that? An hour of chat between me and Miles on rugby. No, I think I think the listeners might get some shorter episodes. You could talk about, about scum guards and things like that, couldn't you? I, I reckon I reckon possession wise that'll be eighty percent Tony, twenty percent miles. <laughs> comments made yeah i think I, I i might get ahead of him a bit with that um uh, another thing from social media um just want to congratulate at at uh, bear country blog bear country blog of course uh started up this season um does a lot of uh uh reports on the games uh every week uh 500 followers on on twitter so Brilliant. congratulations uh, and pete as a, a fellow blogger um yeah uh what's happening with I, the rig are we going to see yeah, the rig uh, i'm working this i week? try and get the rig out <laughs> might get my rig out once every wednesday too <laughs> and i'd like to say that i have very similar number of followers if you take one of the zeros off <laughs> but having said that i I'm, I'm quite pleased with the way it's going i i you know i have a very very niche like angle of uh as many analogies and puns that i can fit in and i you know i did get credited by one of my bigger critics the other day for getting billy searle and Karl marx in the same sentence and i think the last one i managed to uh, get max laheef and salvador dali in the same sentence so you know which is a bit more obvious really but uh you know i i, I spend most of my weekend now and most evenings on monday and tuesday looking through dictionaries <laughs> <laughs> to see what I can do. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of fun. You know, I, I get about, I don't know, I get about 300, 400 people reading it, which actually is unbelievable. And only 350 of them are me. So it's... Uh... <laughs> and, and can you give away any puns? Well, can I mean, you give saints, us a little taster of saints, what we might I mean, there's saints. a lot of potential with saints, isn't there? Sinners, you know, saints and sinners. It, it was all going south in Northampton at one point in the second half. Um, we've got, I mean, obviously I'll pull out the old classics with per, per, Piston Purdy. Um, what else? Was I, there was one that came to mind and I, I, oh, I've forgotten it now. It was, I think... Something along the lines of most of us when we go into the garden on a Sunday, you know, it's like for a relaxing, like, read and something, but it was a bit... So, yeah, we'll find... I'm sure, usually, Tone, I usually think about it on Tuesday night and it comes together, like most things in my life, comes together last minute. (laughs) Okay, well, we'll look forward to to reading that. Um, Gentlemen, as ever, it's been a pleasure. That's it for this show. If you're listening and you like what you've heard, please do leave a review or rating for us on your podcast platform. You can also subscribe on podcast platforms to make sure you never miss an edition. We'll be back next week with our review of the Harlequins game and more Bristol Bears news and views. Until then, goodbye, stay safe, 
and come on, Briz. Briz.